Okay, we are Sefer Malachim Beis, Perik Yud Aleph, Pasuk Aleph, Ba'atalya Eim Achaz Yahu. And we are about to meet Atalya, one of the most bloodiest homicidal murders, not in only in Tanakh, but in all history. And we've got to stop just to get her background, which would possibly uh, explain how Atalia became Atalia, because as we're going to see, she is not, most definitely not, your typical Jewish mother. Atalia is the daughter of Achav and Izevel. She grew up in <clears throat> the palace where murder, assassination, was sort of a, an extension of domestic policy. She saw her mother, Izevel, kill hundreds, if not thousands, of Nevi'im, of Kohanim, of Hashem, of people, the cold-blooded murder of Novos, an individual just to get his vineyard, Achav, whose hands are bloody. Um, she has seen her husband. She is married to the king of Israel, Yehoram, who kills all his brothers so that he will have a clear path to ascending the throne of Melech David. Her son is Ahaziahu, who is a brutal murderer in his own right. And so what happens is we see and we pick it up, she's the mother of Bana. She sees that all her children, by that her children meaning Achav's family, we saw how Yehu systematically killed all of Achav's 70 children in Shomron, 70 children and grandchildren in Israel, totally wiping out the entire progeny of Achav, killing her husband Yehoram in a most brutal way, killing her mother uh, Izebel by literally dumping her out the balcony and leaving the dogs to, to lap up her blood without burial. And so naturally, she is embittered. And of course, this is what she's seen all her life. So she sees that her family has been wiped out. So now, Vatokam Vatabed Eskol Zera Hamamlocha. She now systematically kills off any descendants of Melech David to completely destroy the house of David so that there is no successor. And this means, and this is the part is tough to understand, this means killing her children, it means killing her grandchildren. And she proceeds to set about and do it. There's no structure for power, just homicide and maniac? Yes, but, so now the question is, what is her motivation? And the Mepharshim debated. Some say it is pure vengeance. The woman has just, you know, has no other way to react but the vengeance of seeing her whole family, brothers, mother, father, husband, sons, destroyed, that she is going to take vengeance on the house of David. Others say no, it is a very cool systematic plan where she ascends the Malchus of David. It's not a very brilliant plan because the truth is we know that a woman cannot be a, a, a king uh, of Yehuda. And two, what is she going to do after her reign is over? Who will she pass it to? 
there's nobody left. And so the Mephorshim tell us that her thought might have been she had certain illegitimate children, that was who she would pass it to. So on the one hand, it is bloody vengeance. On the other hand, it's a very calculated plot to succeed to the throne. So what she does, Vatabed es kol zera Let me ask you a question. So we have, um, you know, we have Elisha, we have the, the Novian, um who tell kings, you're not, you're, you're going you're gonna to die. Hashem has decreed that you're... So how, how does anyone, you know, in that context, how does anyone think they're going to outwit... Oh, the, the, that, the, the fate, basically. You got to recognize, so she was raised as a daughter of Izebel, who's the priestess of the Baal, who was a pagan woman. And this is what she inherited. That she doesn't believe in any of that stuff, that, you know, the power of the Nevi'im. She is raised as a pagan Baal worshiper. And this is what she does. So... But, uh, and by the way, the Mephorshim say, how did she kill them? They take the word vatabed. Divri Hayomim says vatabed has the root of dever. She makes it look like a plague by poisoning them. So she poisons each one of them, and it's a slow-acting poison, and so there can be no suspicion. There's no violence, there's no wounds, there's no autopsies. And that's how she kills them. Now comes along a woman who is probably one of the most unsung heroes in Tanakh. Atikach Yehosheva is her name. Bas Melech Yoram, Achos Achazyahu. She is the daughter of Yoram, the sister of Achazyahu. If she's the sister of Achazyahu, that would make her the daughter of uh, Ataya. And she takes Yoash ben Achazia, who is an infant, and she snatches him out stealthily from the entire group that is being systematically killed. She takes him away, his nursemaid, and she secrets him in the Chadar Hamitos. Chadar Hamitos is alternatively explained the room of the beds. It's where the Kohanim and the Levim in the base Hamikdash lived. She puts them in one of those rooms. Remember, we have not stated, but she is the wife of a Yehudiah, who is the Kohen Gadol, so she's totally familiar with the layout of the base Hamikdash. She puts him there. Some say she puts him in the annex that's above the Kodesh Kedoshim, knowing that no one is going to go in there, and she secrets him there. She saves him from Atalyahu. He is living, he's going to live there for six years as an infant. And by the way, David, they show that beautiful Tehillim, uh, foretells this Yastireni. Um, that the Kaddish Baruch Hu will hide him in the midst of the outer precincts of his own house. And that's, of course, what Yehoash happens to have as his rescue. She, he, Atalia uh, reigns for those six years that now Yehoash has been hidden away. 
Uvashana Hashviyas, now in the seventh year, Sholach Yehodaya, Yehodaya decides it is time. Why then? One explanation of the sixth year, he has grown to where he is able to assume the Machus. Another explanation is that every seven years, there was a complete structural repair of the insides of the Beis HaMikdash, so that people came in, repairmen, contractors, and did the repairs, the corrections, the rebuilding, the touching up, so that you didn't want anyone to detect that he was there, so it's the appropriate time. Can, can I ask another question? All you want. So, Did he coincide with Did he Good point, but no, nobody said they I, don't bring that up. I recall that during the first temple, the Kohanim, the Kohen Hagadol, was uh, honorable, unlike, let's say, in the second temple where they were kind of political appointees. What, what are these people doing, the Kohanim, while all these things are going on in Israel and in Yehuda? Like, what, what is actually... The, you know, it's, like, it's like you have two completely different things. There's a, right, and we're going to see that a lot of th- things they didn't do, we're going to see the Mishmaros of the Kohen right. that, that may have been abolished, or that the Kohen had very little to do in those days. But we will come to that. So now it's the seventh year, Yehudiah decides it's time. He gathers together, sends for the Sore Hameos, the leaders of a hundred. They are the spiritual leaders, Lakare, they are the military leaders, or the military as well, the Zakanim, Vayovo Osam Elah Beis Hashem. He gathers them in the base Hamikdash. Vayichroslahem Bris, and now he makes, he renews a covenant. He swears them to secrecy. In the base Hamikdash, he swears them to an oath by Yar Osam Es Ben Hamelech. He produces this infant, well, no longer an infant, six years old, and in his seventh year. And you've got to imagine, say the Mephoshim, the, the shock, the surprise, and even the, the joy at thinking all these years that the total seed of King David has been eradicated and there is in front of them the descendant, the last descendant of Melach David, the last living descendant. This is what I want you to do. Until I'm ready to produce and anoint this king, and it's imminent, we have to protect him from any kind. Word gets out, and remember, the base Hamikdash is connected <coughs> by a tunnel or an entrance with the palace. We have got to keep this like top secret. So what I want to do... Did this first place Hamikdash time? Yep. What I want to do is a third of you. We know that there is a Mishmeres Kohanim. There were 24 Kohanic families that administered the base Hamikdash, changing every week so that the average Kohanic family served two weeks a year. And the system was Shabbos was the changing of the guard, as it were. And so they would come in from the north, relieve the Kohanim who were there, who would now go out to the south. He says, no, this outgoing group of Kohanim do not leave. 
let's have both Mishmeris there. Stay where you are. And divide yourselves into third. One third will guard Bishasur. That was a um, gate of entry to the temple. It's called Sur because that's where they would turn away people who were um, Mitzoras or Tomei, etc. Hatshlishish Bashar Acher Haratzim, the other one in the Shah that's called Haratzim. And now what you do is you fan out Shmartem Mishmeres Habayis Masoch. You guard that temple, the perimeter inside of that temple, and not letting anybody who has no business being there. And the truth is, this is only going to be for that Shabbos, because it's going to be, as we say, imminent. The baby Yoash will be trotted out in a day or so. So, Ustei Hayodot Bochem, Koyotse Hashavas, Vashamru Es Mishmeras, Beis Hashem El Hamela, guard every entrance, guard every exit. That guard them, take weapons. And if somebody is there that is suspicious or doesn't belong there or has no right to be there, you must kill him. And make sure you guard the king's every move, coming, going, moving from precinct in the house to other rooms. They do everything he says. The outgoing group stays in with the ingoing group, not leaving. And they go to Yehudah. He brings up the spears and the shalatim, the shields that King David had given to the temple that he had collected in war, if they need defensive weapons, they've got them. From right to left, every possible breach, every possible entrance is sealed and around the base Hamikdash. Now it is time to take out Yehoash, and they give him the Nazar and the Edus. Literally, the Nazar would be the crown, the Edus would be the testimony. Uh, we interpret them as separate objects. Nazar, of course, is the crown, the Edus is the Sefer Torah that each king is required by law to write. They give him the Sefer Torah written by the king uh, to hold. Some say that no, the Nazar, the crown, is itself the testimony. How is that? We know the Medrash tells us that there was miraculous powers to the crown of Melech David in that it could only fit on the head of the one of Beis David. David had captured that crown from the Ammonites and it only would fit on his head or on Shlomo's head. When Adoniyahu, King David's son, tries to usurp the crown, they know he's a fraud because it will not fit on his head. Miraculously, it will fit on Yoash, this infant's head. Second, the Meshicha, why anoint him? We know we don't anoint, anoint a Melech uh, ben Melech 
in the house of Yehuda, but where there is a conflict, where there may be a challenge, you do. So they anoint him. Vayaku kach, that is the symbol of just great joy. They clap as it is anointment. Vayomer yechi hamelech, and they shout, long live the king. Vatishma Ataya is called Haratz in her arm. She hears all this news. Remember, she's in next door. Vatavo el arm base Hashem. And she comes through the entranceway to the house of the. Uh, How old was the king when he was anointed as the king? Seven. Seven. So it's the seventh she, year. She reigned for seven years. Yeah. And there's a history of her reign? Of her? I mean, how so? No. Ataya doesn't know he, she's alive. He doesn't know she, she's he's reigned, old. But she's the king. She's Queen. Yes, she reigns. Queen, and queen. Interesting, by the way, we don't know a thing about her reign, other than we're going to see how happy the people are to get rid of her. But neither Divrei um, HaYomim or the Navi record anything she did as queen. But six years she reigns as queen. She sees him standing, this seven-year-old, on the platform that they have anointed the king, Kemishpat Vahasarim. There are the officers, the Chatzosros, the trumpets, El Melech, coronating a king. They're blowing, they are joyous. She tears her clothes and screams. It's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. She's still trying to get maybe loyalists from the palace to stop this. And the Pekudei Hachayel, the officers, the Zikanim, the soldiers, Rayomer Aleim, Hotsia Oto, El Mibes, Lishterus, Haba, Acharecha, Hames, Bechera. Let take her out of here. They know enough, they're not going to kill her in the base measures, but they narrow her exits and they block all the exits until her only avenue of retreat is back into the palace. Do not kill her in the base Hamikdash. That's what they do. They box her in. She goes by the horse's entrance, base Hamelech, and she is killed there. He makes a new covenant between the people, the king, and the nation. They shall be loyal to God. Covenant between the king and the people that he will rule justly and wisely. And now they turn on the Baal. This was a private deity. Apparently, the Baal there was not a big thing as it was in Beis Yisra, but she had her own private chapel, as it were, And now they go and they destroy all the Mizbahot, the altars, the Salma, the icon, Shibru, Hetev, they break. That's Matan, Kohen, Abal, and she has her own private priest of the Baal. Hardu Lifneham is Bachal, she kill, they kill before the altar. By Yosem HaKohen, Pechudas al Hashem, and he puts uh, leaders, etc., on the house of the Kaddish Baruch Hu. By Yikach Esorei HaMeos, Meos is the leadership, could be the Zakanim, Ves HaKorei could be the soldier, Ves HaRatzim are the foot soldiers, Ves Kol HaMaoretz, by Yeridu HaMesamelech, Mibes Hashem, they take him out of the base HaMikdash, by Yavo Derech Shar HaRatzim, base HaMelech, the palace has been cleared, she is dead, her followers are dead, 
and they take him into the palace. By Yosheva Kisei Hamlochim, she sits on the throne. By Yisma Kolama Oretz, the people are overjoyed. Ba'ir shocked, and the city is quiet in terms of resistance or support. The Esatayu Heimisu, and it repeats it again. Heimisu Bacherev Beis Hamelach, and she is killed in her palace, Beis Hamelach. And so now we're going to see Yoash take the reins, and he is going to be a very good king. One point we should make is that we've seen with how many times within a hairbreadth David is not going to be David HaMelech. There's a um, Agadita that David HaMelech would not have been uh, born were it not for Adam HaRishon taking off years of his life, Adam, to give it David. We saw Tamar and Yehuda, that if it weren't for that miracle of Tamar revealing herself to Yehuda, there would be no David. We saw how many times Shaul tried to kill him. We saw that when they presented the kids to um, Shmuel to see which one is destined to be king, they left David out. We saw all the times he was threatened by assassination, and yet he survives. And so we close with the uplifting thing that every Shabbos, when we read the Mafter, the Haftarah, one of the brachas in the Haftarah says, Samchenu Hashem Eloheinu Be'eliyahu HaNevi Avdecha, Uvamalchus Beis David Mishichecha, David, the house of David and the Messiah. Come b'mheiro yavov v'yogei libenu. Al kisei lo yeshev zor, there will not be one who is not of the house of David sitting on his throne. Because it is sworn on your name, this is the key phrase, that his candle, his light, will not be eliminated ever. So this is a havtacha from the Kaddish Baruch Hu, that the Malchus David will be eternal, will be here at the Moshiach, will never be eradicated, erased, or destroyed. Hilly, let's look at one thing. If, if we, we, we say that, and we, we, we're, we're, we're happy, right, that David survives, his progeny survived, but there are disasters, virtually every one of them. There are disasters, even Shlomo, and has has in his grasp almost Mashiach, right? And he kind of lets it get away. And they're all disasters. So, like, like, what are we looking for? Well, the kings. Are, I think you have to keep in mind that it's 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 in, in, in balance with others. Meaning, we look at them from the prism of two thousand years past. And we there also show. Well, and they were, because Yehuda was a model of probity compared to the ten tribes up north. Ten tribes up north, there wasn't one. Well, Ahaziah, for example, wasn't. Wasn't what? A, a, a model of no, probity. No, no. And a lot of them weren't. They're going to get worse. Right. But it, and it shows the human frailty. It shows the human failure to do Bechira Chafshit. But everyone, so, it, it's, so it's, why, why is it important to us as Jews that it be from the house of David? I mean, you're, you have these people, they're from the house of David, and they're terrible leaders, right. and we're just, we're going with them, you know, can anyone, you know, do better than, than these people are doing? The answer is because of David. 
And it's also the, the, the Havtacha of the Kaddish Baruch. Kaddish Baruch who says to him, I, I give you my word, the dynasty will never depart from your family. He's the exception. If you read about his life, the more you read about his life, the Gemara is a replete with stories. Like yeah. David was like, and we show all of our, we believe, we don't hide, the, you know, they're not gods, they're human with all the human imperfections. So in any event, we're going to see a good one come out of all of this in Yitz Hashem, Monday morning right. at 8.45, the reign of Yehoash. Thanks.